welcome to episode 20 of Large Popcorn. 20. One more and we'll be able to start drinking here. This is, of course, a space where friends gather around to have elevated and comfortable discussions about all things film in the least pretentious way possible. Or, at least we hope. For those of you who don't know me, I am your host, Christian Macias, and alongside me today is my standard Fellowship of the Ring. Of course, he is a game developer, host of Disney Plus Us podcast and legendary beanie wearer you may know him as griffy d-pad he's of course griffin thennel hi buddy what's up hey how are you how you doing doing well I've, I've got my vaccination appointment finally set up for an after work so i don't have to keep rescheduling so i'm getting that this week <laughs> nice nice huzzah and the other voice you heard there for just a second there he's the co-host of the new podcast monsters podcast and twitch streamer known as d danger 16 this is Dustin Cunningham. How you doing, Hello. friend? Hello. It's actually D Danger Ten, but I I totally. Where did I get the sixteen it's... from? I don't I mean, know. A, a six is just an O with a little bit of extra. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe it just kind of looks like it. You know, like sometimes when I write a zero, it looks like a six too. So I I get it. I'm so tired, guys. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. That's life. I am doing. I'm doing excellent. I am excited to talk about Lord of the Rings, as always. Of course. You know what? Before I even move on to my the rest of our little spiel here, I want to give a shout-out to a friend of the show, Mr. Ethan, for getting uh, instigating this group together to talk about Lord of the Rings. He's been very excited as we move forward through these three movies. And, uh, yeah, I hope you've been enjoying them, Griffin. Or not Griffin. Instigating by poking Ethan. and prodding me to watch these movies for literally a year. Ethan is the best. <laughs> he really, he really is, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. He is. Yeah. Absolutely. Shout out to Ethan. Folks, remember that each week a new episode of Large Popcorn goes live where I and a guest talk about the latest in cinema world news, whether it be film reviews, discussions, and much, much more. If you like what you hear, please give us a sub on your favorite podcast service of choice. And remember to leave a review because that does indeed help us out. If you have if you have any questions, please DM them directly to at Large Popcorn Pod and we'll get those answered for you. And remember that a new episode goes live every Tuesday, so we sincerely hope that you stick around. Of course, as always, all the resources, items, whatever we discuss in today's show will be down in the show notes below, so give those a gander at your leisure. For now, I actually have an icebreaker segment I'm introducing uh, to our little uh, trio of podcasts we've been doing called The Director's Chair. Usually when I have two guests on the show, I like to throw this in there. Well, I just started doing this, and we've had a lot of two guest episodes. So today, uh, I have it for us. It's kind of a rapid-fire question. There are two categories. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> so get ready. It's a rapid-fire segment. Um, I think Griffin will go first, and I'm going to let you choose the category that you would like to do. It's either this or that, or good or bad. I'm just, I don't like calling things bad, so let's go with this or that. This or that. Okay. So I'm going to give you two choices. You're going to give me the one that you choose. Um, either which one you think is the better film or which one you think is the better actor. So spoilers for what will be present in the list. Ready? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, hit me. Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Star Wars. Wow. On a Lord of the Rings podcast. Yep. No hesitation. On a Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sitting here next to a lightsaber. Yeah, it's Star oh. Wars. <laughs> All right, Captain America or Iron Man? Uh, Cap. Kong or Godzilla? Uh, King Kong all the way. Oh, Schwarzenegger or... I know, right? 
<laughs> just destroying Dustin right now. I'm sorry. Schwarzenegger or Stallone? Uh, Schwarzenegger. Spielberg? Although that, that is really hard. I know, right? And it's only going to get worse. Spielberg or Scorsese? Oh, Spielberg. Christopher That's Nol- not hard for me. Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino? Tarantino. Leonardo DiCaprio or Matt Damon? Oh, oh, man. I don't love either of them. Let's go, Leo. Okay. Mean Girls or Clueless? Oh, Mean Girls. Wow. Jackie Chan. Clueless or... is great. <laughs> nah. Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee? Uh, Jackie Chan. Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. That was the correct answer for the last one. So I mean, yeah, Indiana Jones is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, man, I learned I learned a lot about so many people just by answering these very simple questions. Yeah. Which means, Dustin, you're gonna get good or bad. You ready? That's fine. Yep. The Last Jedi. Good. Nice. Zack Snyder's Ooh. Justice League. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. That's fair for that. <laughs> Iron Man 3. Good. Yes. Tron Legacy. Good. The Fast and Can the Furious. What, what was that, Griffin? Can we make a great category for Tron Legacy? <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you so like much that. for saying that. That means so much. The Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, Bad, but I like it. <laughs> Acceptable. Fair. All of these in terms of acting, not the actual person. Tom Cruise. Uh, oh, in terms of acting? Yeah. Good. Shia LaBeouf. Good. Keanu Reeves. Ah, mm. uh, good. There's some hesitation. Yeah, there. I know. I, and it yeah. tells me all you need to know. <laughs> there's just, there's some roles for Keanu where it's just like. Rough. Yeah, but overall I'd say good, especially with John Wick. I, I agree. Scarlett Johansson. Good. And then last but certainly not least, Nicolas Cage. Bad. <gasps> I yes. love Nicolas Cage. But he's bad. Get Thank you. Well, it's been fun podcasting, fellas. I will see you <laughs> never. Look, he Listen, just he's gone downhill with the, since that. With the exception <laughs> with the exception of Mandy. Yes. I, I okay. As long as we accept Mandy, then I am yes. I am fine with that. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you both for and this was fun. I I always love doing the rapid fire questions. It's so much fun. So thank you both yeah. enduring that. I feel like I'm gonna get hate for my for my answer. No, you won't. You'll be fine. Just from me, I'm judging you on this end. Just from <laughs> me destroying Dustin's heart. Speaking of destroying you Dustin's few, heart, you had a few I agreed with. I have a I have a poll we'll get to in just a second here. And I did stop looking at the results okay. to that at a certain point. Good, because I just e- looked at the comments. Everyone was tagging yeah, Dustin. Still. Oh yeah. Now let's see what's on the marquee with today's topic of the show. Of course, by now you should know this is the Lord of the Rings episode, The Return of the King, directed by our good friend Peter Jackson. And I am now realizing that I have forgotten to send Dustin. The uh, storyline for this movie. Dustin, do you, oh, yeah. do you mind if I read it this time? Oh, yeah, that's fine. The eye of the enemy is moving. Aragorn is revealed as the heir to the ancient king, 
as he, as, wait, this is a typo. He has found a typo. Ah, here we go. Hold on. Let's start again. The eye of the enemy is moving. Aragorn is revealed as the heir to the ancient kings as he, Gandalf, and the other members of the Broken Fellowship struggle to save Gondor from the Sauron's forces. Meanwhile, Frodo and Sam take the ring closer to the heart of Mordor, the Dark Lord's realm. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Spooky. Very spooky. I, honestly, before we even get into it, is this one darker than the two towers? I can't tell. Like, I think it might be. I think the Shelob stuff um, definitely makes it feel that way. And then also, like, Gollum more so enacting his plan. I yeah. I think it makes it a little bit darker. I think, yeah, their, their story is especially is way darker. But at the same time, it does have the happy ending, which kind of offsets some of the darkness. Yeah, but there's it... definitely some bleak moments, though, even to like the last little oh, yeah. bit where like, obviously, we'll get to that point later. But with the the final battle outside of uh, Mordor, like even like all of our heroes look like they're about to lose kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I wrote in a poll today on the kind of funny Facebook group. Which do you think is better? Uh, for, for for some reason, just for our Lord of the Rings podcast, because I feel like this conversation comes up like even on Twitter and like other podcast circles. Like, which do you think is better, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings? So I asked that today. Um, the votes go 176 Star Wars to 131 Lord of the Rings, and 176 people are about to get banned in that group. <laughs> oh no! Banned me. <laughs> It, Please, like, I like that. I like that Facebook group. The comments were insane, and so yeah, so many people have either never seen Star Wars or never seen Lord of the Rings, which it's I thought blasphemy. Yeah, two of like the biggest franchises ever, like in film history and like nerd like, culture. Yeah, I my running joke is just to say Star Wars is bad, and especially with Hugo, I love to just kind of <laughs> you know mess with him about it. He likes to mess with me about Lord of the Rings being bad. At the end of the day, I love Star Wars. Um, I just prefer Lord of the Rings more, I think. If we're just talking about Lord of the Rings and not like the Hobbit films, I think it's three perfect movies. As where Star Wars, it's like, it was like three nearly perfect films, in my opinion. And then just added, all the other added films were hit and miss. Yeah. That's definitely fair. I saw a couple people saying it in that post as I scrolled through comments earlier today. It's like, Lord of the Rings is consistently better, but Star Wars just holds a bigger place in my heart. And, and that that's is totally like... fair, too. Star Wars oh, is, yeah. like, everywhere. It's got... It's not just the movies. It's games. It's shows. It's books. It's... Yeah. The thing that the thing that inks out, honestly, Star Wars over Lord of the Rings for me is the shows. Is Those are... Like, the shows are, of Star Wars are literally my fav- some of my favorite TV shows of all time. And, like, you just can't beat that. It's yeah, hard to beat the, eight seasons. And the fact that, like, we're literally recording this right before The Bad Batch starts, too. And I'm incredibly yeah. excited for that as well. There was supposed to be an Amazon uh, Lord of the Rings show that I think recently got canceled. No, so it was a, it was there was a game. game that got canceled. It was oh, an MMO. yeah. Good mm-hmm. by work. Yeah. The show is still is still a thing, which I'm very excited for. I guess it's just harder to sell fantasy than it is like Star Wars, which is like such a beloved franchise. 
yeah, a lot of people find fantasy boring as our space is like cool and it's futuristic and everything like that. So I get it. I love Star Wars. Like I definitely grew even up though Star like Wars. the current Star Wars content that's being put out, at least in like the books and stuff, is fantasy, but in Star Wars. I mean, OG yeah. Star Wars is fantasy as well, just with with it's... laser swords, space yeah. wizards and laser swords. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I actually had a point to bring up about that. Uh, which was, as I was watching Return of the King, it hit me that, like, I can't believe that these three fantasy movies made it so huge in, like, mainstream media, which is, like, yeah. something, like, unthinkable. It's the it's the storytelling in these films and the acting that do so much for it as well, too. Like, the fact that they took these three books that were full of, like, singing and, like, you know, if the first book is kind of slow, especially the buildup. And while I, I know some people think that the first movie is rather slow in this what? trilogy of films, I think that they did such a good job of, like, making compelling characters. And the writing is just so good. And the acting just, like, you feel like these people are really there. Like, yeah. I can't always say that about Star Wars, unfortunately. Like, I love Star Wars, but there's some bad acting. It's not in all the films, but there are some films that have some bad acting. And yeah, just... I- even even if the actors themselves aren't bad actors, it could just be the direction they're given. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we get into the plot breakdown, guys? As we yeah, look forward? Yeah. 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 So the film begins with another flashback. Smeagol and his friend, Deagle, are fishing in the river Anduin. Uh, and they're actually cousins, I believe, in the book. Ooh, which I did not know. Yeah. I love that it's Smeagol and Deagle. That yeah, makes more sense for the naming the convention. But I always thought that they were a couple. So when I found that out, I was like, oh. Dustin's head canon is that Smeagol and Deagle are lovers. I love it. Yep. Which actually makes this next point more tragic. Yeah. Deagle is dragged into the river by a powerful uh, catch and discovers the one ring glinting in the riverbed. He collects it and climbs out of the water. Smeagol sees him fondling it, fondling it, it ah, fondling it, and as they both succumb to the ring's power, they begin to fight. Smeagol demands the ring, saying that it's his birthday and it should be his present. Smeagol then strangles his friend with his bare hands and pries the ring from Deagle's clenched fist. Smeagol is then ostracized from his community and driven away, suffering terribly from loneliness and shame. Smeagol takes his solace uh, in his love for the ring, which slowly tortures his mind. He takes a solitary refuge in caves beneath the mountains where under the influence of the ring he lives to a very great age he dwindles into a hunched uh, sinking creature known by the unpleasant noise he makes in his throat Gollum what a way to start a film huh and there's a little flashback to the first movie the scene where uh, it shows like it zooms in on Deagle's hand when he has the ring and he's like wiping the mud away that shot was in the first movie but you just always assumed that it was uh, Gollum getting it because like all you knew really is that Gollum had the ring you didn't know that somebody else got it first so i thought it was kind of cool that they like bring that oh i didn't even realize that yeah because it like shows a hand like with the holding the ring covered in mud and you just assume that it was smeagol because it's the next scene that it shows in the first movie is bilbo getting it from smeagol yeah i've seen these movies like four or five times and i i just learned this now yeah i didn't know that that's awesome it's cool like the continuity is just so good and like the little callbacks. I also want to just I will, 
Go ahead, Griffin. I will I will say what a note though to start this movie on. Yeah. That's again, I, I'll go as far as to say that Christian is right and this is the darkest movie. It literally starts with like him murdering uh, somebody uh, to take the ring. It also just I guess like visually reinforces like how how we're supposed to feel bad feel bad for Smeagol. Like he he's he really is like a victim of that ring. And even though he does commit murder. It, it, it's, when it's, you see it happening too to Frodo throughout these films, yeah, which we'll get into, yeah. But in the present, on the outskirts of Mordor, Frodo and Sam are resting in an alcove. Sam awakens and sees that his master has not slept. The days are growing darker than the uh, the closer they get to Mordor. Away in the west, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Gandalf, Theod- Theoden, and Eomer ride through the forest of Fangom to Isengard, where they meet Merry and Pippin feasting among the wreckage, if you remember uh, in the second movie. They find Tree Yeah, they're, they're just chilling. Dude, it's so funny. They're just, like, eating and smoking, <laughs> just having a, like, grand old time, just waiting for these Don't dudes. Don't talk. <laughs> I just love that part. <laughs> they find Treebeard at the Tower of uh, Orthbank in the center of Isengard, where Saruman has been trapped. Gandalf opposes Gimli's call to kill Saruman, saying that the wizard has no power anymore and will pose no further threat. Saruman shows himself to them. Gandalf shatters his staff, robbing him of his power. Grima, who is still with him, stabs him with a knife. Legolas shoots Grima with an arrow. Oh, yes. So this is all in the extended edition, by the way. Yeah, I I think you have the plot to the extended edition. I do, don't I? Yeah. So Saruman actually is not in the theatrical cut whatsoever. So, I, but you you should continue with that part because that's literally what I was gonna say. When okay, perfect. Got perfect. To the end of this was that. Uh, where was that? Uh, Saruman falls to his death, landing on the spikes of a of a large water wheel. As they are talking, Pippin sees Saruman's uh, palantir amongst the flotsam. Oh my god, these words! And is entranced by it, but Gandalf quickly takes it from him and hides it under his cloak. I'm like I'm genuinely disappointed that wasn't in the theatrical yeah. cut. So so in the theatrical cut, they literally just roll up, they see Treebeard, and then uh Pippin like jumps off the horse and sees the the plantier like glowing in the water, so he grabs it and that's it. But in the theatr or the extended cut, it has this whole scene with Saruman like standing on top of the tower with Krima behind him and like basically uh they're like having a back and forth uh between Gandalf and Saruman and then uh Theoden is trying to basically tell Krima like hey like you were once a member of uh Rohan like you don't need to work for this guy anymore like you could come back and he's like starting to like seriously think about it and then Saruman just basically tells Krima he's like no like you're worthless essentially and that's why Krima like they're uh, Saruman's eventually like agrees to come down and like confess everything and like tell them the plan and everything like that but Krima kills him first and then Legolas shoots Krima and then both they basically both die which I think gives more closure to. Yeah, I always thought yeah. it was weird. That, like, this is one of those few scenes that were cut. Like, I get a lot of the scenes that were cut for time. This is one of the few scenes that I feel like really added context to the hmm. opening of this film. Yeah, I was really confused at this when at first they're like, oh, we're just going to leave him there. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, that seems like thing, kind of a waste. One thing I'll say is that the extended edition does add an, a, a total of 51 minutes to an already yeah. three hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, so it makes it a four-hour and 11-minute movie. So they definitely had to cut stuff. By the way, when we first started doing this, they didn't have the extended editions on HBO. But as they I went, do now. They, they now do they now. Do. Yeah. yeah, as I went to watch the third yeah. one, I saw, like, oh, the extended edition. Yeah. 
but like really funny I, I i wanted to watch the extended but like i had already seen the theatricals of the first two as we did this so i was like well, I, i'll just stick to the theatricals I, I personally think it's it's like the best way for griffin to see them for the first time too is to watch the theatrical cuts because if you just go straight into the extended editions there's a lot of extra stuff like you have to really be into this world to be like i actually want to check these out and see what they added because if you're not super into it like it can get really overwhelming yeah it's um i was i mentioned this before we started recording but i run the gambit of emotions every time i turn on one of these movies of god what a long movie no yeah, like absolutely. Just looking at that runtime is daunting so adding That's in like, the extra time the first yeah. time through ooh. There's a lot of times where I split these movies up. Like if I watch the extended editions, I'll sometimes I'll just watch half of one of them one night and then the other half the next night just because I'm like, this seems like yeah. a good spot to stop. I've already watched two hours of this. I'll come back to the other half of it later. I do the exact same thing. And from what I've learned from other people is that um, even with the theatrical cuts, but especially with the extended editions, is that when you're going to sit down and watch one of these is that you're supposed to like try and make a day out of it where you yeah, yeah revolve your, your day around watching the movie and like, plan out some food and get that food like delivered and kind of hang out and just watch the movie that's what i had to do for uh the snyder cut i did the exact same thing (laughs) like my buddy came up and we're like all right it's like we're gonna start this at like one o'clock in the afternoon so that we can finish it by a decent time yeah absolutely or unless you're on a plane and have these movies downloaded might be another setting for you exactly okay so dustin you're gonna be my checker here because this time i just uh, i took it from imdb without uh okay thoroughly checking so if this is extended just let me know yeah the grip the group rides to uh Edoras, where king theoden has prepared a large banquet to hail the victorious dead of the battle of the hornburg there eowyn shows affection for aragorn which theoden notices he tells her that he is happy for her aragorn being an honorable man and the architect of the victory at helm's deep gandalf expresses to aragorn his concerns over the quest aragorn tells him to trust in what he in what his heart tells him that Frodo is still alive, which this I remember in the theatrical. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, every, every, yeah, yeah everything yeah. everything is so far as theatrical. Uh, which is one of my moments I wanted to stop at because I don't feel like in the second one the group necessarily has a time to stop and reflect on like the journey and Frodo that Frodo and Sam are embarking on by themselves until this moment. And the trust that Aragorn has to have in those two hobbits is yeah insane. Um, there's I I don't think it was in the. I don't think it's in the uh, theatrical cut for this, but in the extended edition, they show more of like this party, and uh, Gimli and Legolas have like a drinking competition. And it's just, it's really funny. It just adds a little bit of levity to this movie before it gets super dark. And, like, they're essentially, like, trying to out-drink each other. And Gimli's getting super drunk. And it's not really affecting, like, Liss at all. He's like, I feel something. A slight tickle in my finger. Like, he just, you know, it's, like, not hitting him whatsoever. I and love... I just, it, it's really funny. I love that everything these two do has to be a competition. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's... we have that fight at the that big fight when the elephants show up later in the movie and he's like, it still counts as one. Yeah. Like that is one of my f- biggest laughs in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Some levity was needed. And I think uh, Gimli really brings it, brings it forward. 
Um, Gollum awakes in the night as Frodo and Sam are sleeping and goes off to one side to murmur to himself, usually in one of his little reflections in the water. His evil half senses some doubt and Smeagol and insists that if he can murder once, like he murdered Deagle, he can do it again. Gollum then begins leading Smeagol through their plan to deliver the hobbits in the clutches of Shelob, after which the ring can be reclaimed. Sam hears the conversation and beats Gollum for his treachery. Frodo intervenes, saying that as their guide, Gollum is necessary for their quest. Sam glowers as Gollum flashes him an evil smile while Frodo's back is turned. I felt so bad for Sam this entire time because all he's wanted to do is show Frodo that, like, no, dude, Gollum is, like, still present. And Frodo's like, we have no choice. It sucks because both of them are right. Like, yes, Gollum's still there, but they literally can't do it without him. <laughs> it's it's such a well done plot point throughout this entire couple. of Yeah, films. and it's it's basically like um, it almost comes off to me as like a sort of like variation of Stockholm syndrome, where like because Frodo is going through like what the ring does to him, he sympathizes with Gollum. Mm-hmm. And, like, he doesn't see that Gollum is, like, essentially, like, tricking them. Like, he's leading them there, sure, but, like, he doesn't have their best interest in heart. And he's literally just trying to do whatever he can to get the ring back because the ring has poisoned his mind so much. And it's something that and Sam... Sam sees it because Sam's not, yeah, you know, he's not under the power of the ring. But at the same time, it's something that he, like, can't understand that Frodo does. Yeah. Which is what makes that, like, trio... Um so powerful in a way yeah it's just really good they do such a good job with it and also of course andy circus just giving an, an absolutely insane performance as both yeah. smeagol and Gollum. So yeah he does such a good job in it that same night back in edoras pippin's curiosity gets the better of him relieving a sleeping gandalf of the palantir uh, which is that that's orb that we took from uh Saruman's possession he looks into it pippin sees a vision of a white tree in a stone courtyard set ablaze but in doing so he is caught by saladon and is submitted to a mental torture and questioning aragorn tries to rescue him briefly uh exposing himself to saladon pippin recovers from his ordeal and is and it is discovered that he did not tell sauron anything of the ring's whereabouts good for pippin from Pippin's vision of the White Tree, Gandalf deduces that Sauron is now moving to attack the great uh, city of Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith, and he rides off to send warning, taking Pippin with him, lest his urge to look into the Palantir uh, return again. I think for me, this is when the movie really takes off. Yeah. Merry and Pippin having to say goodbye was so, so sad. It's... It's very interesting to see them split up, especially after the last two movies where, you know, you spend the whole time with these characters always together. Like, it's really interesting to see them, not only just them split up, but where they go, because they both have really interesting storylines in this film. I That moment as uh, Pippin is almost like in denial of like him having to leave. And yeah. They, they almost don't know if they're ever going to see each other ever again. Yeah. That's such a great moment. And it makes, it makes me feel like Gandalf, like these guys, these hobbits are such fools. Yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. 
leaving Rivendell on her way to the Undying Lands. Arwen has a vision of uh, Eldarion, the son she will have with Aragorn. She realizes that her father lied to her when he said she and Aragorn had no future together. She returns to Rivendell and convinces Elrond that having forsaken the life of the Elder, she cannot leave Aragorn now. She tells her father that as foretold, the time to reforge Narsil has come. Narsil is, of course, the sword of Elendil. It is the birthright of the true heir of Isildur, the man who used the sword to cut the One Ring from Sauron's hand. And then we get the sequence of uh, the sword being reforged, which was such like a badass moment. Part. Yeah, so it's cool. so cool. Like the like voiceover talking about it and him like just like showing them rebuild it. So good. Can I say we don't get like enough of like the Elden world, in my opinion. Like, I think elves are just, like, super fascinating. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. They're definitely kind of left a little bit out um, when it comes to this. And that's how I feel about the dwarves as well, too. Like, they don't really show the dwarves much. Well, I think it's kind of understandable why. Mm -hmm. With, like, them all being like, hey, we're leaving. We're out. We're done. Like, we're going. But also... It'd be cool to see. Absolutely. I'm trying to, um, trying to remember if there was anything added really in this scene. I don't think there's a whole lot. No, I don't think so. What was the bulk of the extended stuff? Um, I guess during the battle, that huge battle at Minas Tirith. Yeah, there's a lot of it there. There's a lot of like character spots. There's like some character development that's extended that'll get into when we get closer to it as well i'm sure there was probably like some extended uh, epilogue scenes as well yeah like i let's see i was trying to see if there's really not a whole lot um there's one a little earlier on where like aragorn leaves his room and he runs into eowyn in the middle of the night um and she tells him that she had a dream of a shadow moving over a green countryside um, but before Aragorn continues to the balcony to meet with Legolas and that scene where he's like outside talking to Legolas right before the, uh, before Pippin picks up the plant, the mm -hmm. here, have you pronounced it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, it's a little bit of foreshadowing that there's like, you know, just doom is coming. It's, that's pretty much the entire trilogy is like, yeah, we're on the eve of doom. Yeah. But exactly. we're somehow still surviving. <laughs> It'd be like that. Gandalf and Pippin arrive at Minas Tirith, City of Kings, that was built out of the rock, uh, that was built out of the rock of, and then I deleted the word here by accident. So just on a giant, gnarly looking cliffside. It's insane, and it's like and it is gorgeous. Awesome. Yeah, it looks so cool. It looks so cool. And I like the color scheme of it too, because of the surrounding mountains are like that normal, like brownish blackish dark green color and then there's this huge city in the mountain that's just like a clean stone white it looks yeah it looks awesome well that and then the grass patch on the top where the presumably yeah. the lord lives which forget that guy's name but i hated that character which one the lord of Minas Tirith. oh the steward the steward of gondor denethor yes him. denethor yeah literally, faramir's literally father correct character in the trilogy yeah. And uh is Boromir and Faramir. Faramir is the character we met in the last movie who caught uh 
Frodo and Sam and Gollum. Yes. There's a moment I actually want to talk about later with Denethor, and it has to do with the that patch of grass above. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Let's see where we're at here. Gandalf and Pippin. Yeah, okay, so they they arrive into the city of Minas Tirith. They approach him as he mourns over Boromir, his son. Pippin swears loyalty to him and recompense for Boromir's sacrifice. Denethor sees... They, mm -hmm. In the extended edition in this scene, um, uh, Denethor like, commands Pippin tell um, tell him how they survived, but Boromir didn't. Like, because Boromir is supposed to be like this great warrior, and... Basically, Pippin tells him that Boromir died protecting him and Mary. So it's essentially like it just adds a little bit of context. I to think like... that was in my theatrical version as well. That was in the theatrical version. Oh, as well. mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, uh, that's okay. where he, that's where he pledges himself was. to them to him. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he like said it exactly there or not. Because Gandalf tells Pippin not to say a word, and the first thing Pippin does yeah. is say, is say, say that. everything. <laughs> that's right. I couldn't remember if like he said everything or if he just was like yeah. pledged his allegiance. And of course, Sorry, carry on. No, no, I mean, that was at the end of that paragraph. It's basically the, the King Denethor uh, in bereavement for Boromir, pretty much ignoring all his responsibilities as king. And even he's, like. He's just the worst, man. He's so. He's such a, like, just awful character. Like, not the not the actor himself. The actor does a great job of portraying this character because I hate him so much, but he just sucks. Like, everything about Denethor is awful. Well, you have that moment where he straight up says he's like to um to Faramir, he's like, "I wish you died and Boromir didn't." I'm like, what the yeah, hell, dude? Like, yeah, he he literally asks him, he's like, "You wish that I had died in his place?" And he's like, "Yes." Like, it's just yeah, what a piece of shit. <laughs> like, okay, can we just talk about that that scene Griffin brought up now? Because I've been dying. This is my favorite scene from the movie. Yes, let's please, because I hate him so much. Denethor makes his son ride into battle because he says he doesn't want to lose the that city that town by the river yeah osgiliath uh, thank you it's uh it's, it's a, and to be fair it's a strategic place for uh, them to kind of fend off any other outsiders from the city it's like one of like the last stands so i uh, you understand but the city's like fallen it's overrun it is a suicide mission Ex thank you exactly and he sends his son anyway and there's that scene where Pippin is singing. Oh, it's so good. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And there's yeah. shots of Faramir riding into battle, uh, juxtaposed with like the shots of the king like eating as if like it's just any eating other the meal. Tomato. That's like such a that is such a gif slash meme now of him like eating the tomato and just Is it really? Yeah, it, in any of the like Lord of the Rings Facebook groups or anything like that, it's just like People will be like, testing out my new TV, how does it look? And it'll be like that picture on the screen of like him eating the tomato or like just random <laughs> things like that. Like the the juxtaposition between the two is almost disturbing. Like mm -hmm. watching him like he's not even enjoying this meal. He is just eating this fancy meal. Like this is just his life. Mm -hmm. Sending his kid off to die. Yeah. Gandalf trying to stop him. Well, it's also the way he's eating. It's just so gross. It makes you hate him even more. <laughs> so, yeah. Awful. Thank you for agreeing that Dor uh, Denethor is just absolutely the worst. And he gets what he, yeah, he deserves. Is. Yep. 
Yeah, when, right off the bat, I was like, I genuinely was like, I hope this guy dies. Like, I hope this character dies. We don't need this character. Let's get rid of him. You know what? Probably worse than Sauron, this guy. I'll say it. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum arrive at Minas Morgul. Uh, wary of the enemy, they locate the winding stair, which is pretty much just a ladder. It's basically yeah. just like a ladder on the side of a mountain. I, Thank this you. is one of those scenes that like, I. so I first saw this movie, obviously, uh, at a super young age when I saw it in theaters because it came out in 2003. I was 12 when this movie came out. And memories aren't like, you know, your memories aren't as good as you think they are. Like you'd be like, oh yeah, I saw that movie in theaters, but you can't really remember like the act of actually watching it in a theater. I vividly remember the scene of them coming up on the green castle and like the light shooting into the sky. Like that's the one scene from this movie that like just stuck out to me and like blew my mind seeing it on and on the big screen for the first time. So cool looking. It's scary. And then there's like the giant um, gargoyle statue. At like the front yeah. of the bridge, and Frodo for whatever reason is like cool. being like called to the that city. It's so eerie. Yeah, yeah, such a cool scene. I want two of those dragon statues so I can put them outside my front door, <laughs> just one on each side, just to see how the DoorDash driver I order from next reacts to it. As long as they're not in your room, that's creepy. <laughs> put them on each, either side of my door into my room that's so funny <laughs> to your room yeah just put them there just to mess with my family and that's awesome they'd hate me for it the, the stairs uh on the side of the cliff surrounding the cursed city of course are leading to um i forget the name but essentially the spider um unbeknownst mm-hmm. to to frodo and sam that who we think they're going to to mordor just at that moment, the doors of the city open, and the Witch King of Angmar, leader of the Nazgul, dispatches his uh, immense orc army, and it's it's huge. Like there's like scenes later where they're like halfway up the mountain, and the army is still marching out of the city. Yeah, I like uh, time to go. I really like that scene too, where they're talking about like he's essentially talking about how like they're like forming their army or whatever and it shows the witch king of agmar being like outfitted in his like armor and stuff like that to show because they're like nobody can defeat you right gandalf like uh is basically what is said and he's like actually like there's somebody who yeah this guy might might cause a little bit of a problem yeah as a kid i used to think gandalf was like op like (laughs) like nobody could touch him but as i get older like you realize he really isn't like there are like He's a lot of strong forces dead. out there. Yeah. If anyone in this movie is OP, it's Legolas. Fair. Right. Yeah. Shield riding, man. Nobody else can do that. He how did they that's they what did it again in How were they able to top that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like they watch Tarzan and then they're like, you know how he slides down those trees? Let's do that down an elephant. <laughs> Excuse me, don't you mean an elephant? Oh, sorry, an o- olifant. Yeah, thank you. Let's get it right, guys. I'll revoke my fan card now. (laughs) (laughs) Another epic moment uh, of the film. At the urging of Gandalf, Pippin lights the first of the beacon signals to Edoras. Oh, man. Dude. This scene, dude. Every time. I get chills every time. The music that plays, like seeing it, especially in 4K now, like seeing all the beacons get lit across the the mountainsides is so cool. It's It's the cinematography here, the sweeping vistas of like, yeah, New Zealand, 
but it feels so epic yeah and it it gives it like a sense of scale that you didn't get um since like the sweeping shots from the first one yeah but there's also like a little there's like the hope of those lighting but there's also a little bit of levity when pippin's like oh how do i get off this thing now that i've set it on fire (laughs) yeah like uh where do i go it's it's such a good moment just all in all yeah, that's that's basically Lord of the Rings. There's like so many of these small moments that make up like the entirety of the movie that make it like so worthwhile and memorable. Also though, like I really love that Aragorn was just chilling on a chilling on a stoop. He's just sitting there, relaxing. Yeah. He, smo- he was smoking, wasn't he? Doesn't he have like a pipe? Am he I was. mistaken? Or is he Yeah. Another thought I had while watching this movie is can we bring back like gorgeous long hair on men that's a thing oh dude yeah there's a lot of them in this movie isn't it dope it's a good it's a good look on almost everybody in this film that has it it didn't hit me until the third one i was like yo long hair on these dudes looks really cool i like this yeah yeah maybe that's why i wanted it's a good look Mm -hmm. (laughs) i always wanted it as a kid too yeah (laughs) my mom wouldn't let me I just, just, I think I just never actually decided to do it. The longest my hair ever got was like, I don't know, maybe to like lower neck or something like that. I never got, let it get too long. Yeah. See, I can't grow my hair out that way and I wish I could. Like all my hair goes forward and like it covers my face and like I can't have that. You got to train it. Yeah. Yep. Or just get bangs. Griffin, please get bangs. (laughs) Nope. Not happening. (laughs) The Morgul army crosses Anduin at Osgiliath in makeshift boats and engages the Gondorian contingent. <sighs> so many words. Led by Boromir's brother, Faramir, in battle. The orcs prove too strong and drive the Gondorians out of Osgiliath. Faramir and his uh, few surviving men retreat to Minas Tirith, pursued by the Nazgul. Gandalf riding out to meet the retreating men wards them off, saving Faramir. Upon his arrival, Faramir, who met Frodo, Sam, and uh, Gollum uh, in Thilion, just before they headed to for the mountain, pass, in, pass into Mordor, tells Gandalf of the dangerous route Gollum is taking Frodo and Sam on, convincing Gandalf of Gollum's treachery, but also confirming that they're alive. The hobbits, led by Gollum, are struggling to climb the extremely steep stairs. Gollum reaches out and em- uh, empathizes with Frodo, saying that he understands his pain. Gollum also poisons Frodo against Sam, saying that Sam will tr- uh, try and take the ring from Frodo. And this is also the scene with the bread as well, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think that's coming up soon, but yeah. Um, it's essentially right after, like, as far as timeline. In There's a scene that I forgot that was in the extended edition that was kind of cool, where uh, they, like, um, Sam, Gollum, and uh, Frodo stumble upon this, like, statue that's missing a head and it's known as I'm looking this up online because I couldn't remember the name of it, but it's known as the crossroads of the fallen King. And there's like a head of the statue laying by. And uh, there's like this cool scene where it's like, there's a shadow on the head of the statue, but then like the sun shines on it and it like shows a crown of flowers. And it's like basically like symbolizing like the return of the King is coming. And it's kind of cool. It's like a little bit of foreshadowing where they like see this head of a King that like has a, a crown on it. And it's just like, oh yeah we're getting the king back soon like <laughs> it's pretty it's not like necessary to the movie but it's a cool little like hey 
here's a little sign to you guys that the Return of the King is coming. Obviously, because the movie's <laughs> called Return of the King, but yeah, I mean, this movie also does the the thing where they they say the title in it, and it yeah. happens like, in the first hour. So yeah. it's like, oh hey, they did. It happens in all three of them. Not yeah. Let's say not only do they say the title, they say the name of the franchise in it. Yep. Oh, they do. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like they straight up the book he writes is the Lord of the Rings. Well, they also call um. I think they refer to Saruman at, or Sauron as the Lord of the Rings at one point in these. I would not be surprised. We will become Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of Suicide Squad. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. In the captured Osgiliath, the Witch King orders his captain to send forth all legions and annihilate the population of Minas Tirith saying that he himself will break the wizard Gandalf. Denethor, ill-pleased by Faramir's failed defiance of Osgiliath, manipulates him into taking a doomed ride into Reclaim the City, which I don't think is entirely accurate now that I'm reading this. Um, I think uh, Faramir absolutely knows what he's riding into. Uh, Gollum continues to play the hobbits against each other, this time blaming Sam for eating their food provisions. This is the moment. Frodo... I know, dude. Frodo just wants to prove that, like... Sorry, not Frodo. Uh, Sam just wants to prove to Frodo that, like, he's not out to to get Frodo's ring at all. Like, he's there just for support. And Gollum is entirely taking advantage of it. Yep. Again, it's really just because, like, Gollum knows how to twist and manipulate Frodo, but at the same time, Frodo sympathizes because he's like, well, this guy knows what I'm going through. Sam, you have no idea what I'm going through. He wants to. He just wants to help. Yeah. By the way, I'm like, I would say 60 to 70% of the way through these notes, but I'd say only 90 minutes of the movie in. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. A lot happens at the start, and you know that that fight scene takes for a while. Yeah, it's it's long. Plot wise, it's really short. Length of the movie wise, it's a, it's about a quarter of the movie. Yeah, but weirdly, feels shorter than the battle uh, in Two Towers. Yeah. Frodo, in his deluded state, is suspicious of Sam and orders uh, him back home. When Sam, trying to be helpful, offers to carry the ring thereby fulfilling Gollum's cunning prediction. And this is where he, like, he finds the crumbs or whatever that, he, that yeah. Gollum had planted. So he's like, oh, look, he got, like, they're like, the bread is gone. Look, he's got crumbs on him. Like, so Gollum just totally sets Sam up. Impressive crumbs sticking on his uh, his clothes like that. Right? So, But also, like, that's accurate as, as, as heck. <laughs> like. As I was watching this, I forget little moments like this. Um, so what he stands up and wakes up like sam doesn't know that there's any crumbs on him and they i it looks like a digital effect the crumbs like fly away and down off the cliff i was like oh that's cool like it they was it was animated and then there's the, yeah. on the back of the cape there was still left some crumbs left over that Gollum then points out and it's like god god damn it Gollum, why yeah faramir rides headlong into the arrows of the encamped orcs as pippin sings for denethor who unconcernedly eats his noon meal Faramir's attack did, fails. Go ahead, sorry. Did I miss the part where we talk about where... Because they first go back, like, uh, the people from Osgiliath make it back to the castle. 
mm-hmm. and then they're sent back out, and that's where uh, are we? Am I like jumping ahead? No, I think I read it a little earlier, right? They they. We- I just want the only reason I bring it up is because I want to mention the part where Gandalf goes out to meet them, and like there's that beautiful shot of like the shadow over the army of uh, like Mordor chasing behind them, and then it's like sunny on the other side, and just like Gandalf like shooting the light into the sky to like scare off all the flying creatures is just super cool. What maybe maybe that was later? Because. The, basically, the way this scene plays out is they have the big fight, and then some of the people escape uh, and make it back, and like Gandalf goes out to meet them to get them there. They go into the castle. They have the whole scene with uh, Denethor telling Faramir that he wished that he had died instead, and then he sends them back out. Yep. Okay. And Gandalf is Gandalf is like, no, don't go out there. It's suicide, and they still go out, and then that's when the song happens. I might use this song as. And some kind of post-production for this episode. It's so yeah, good. It's so good. There's, before that song, and I know we've talked about the scene already, so I won't go too long on this. He has that line of like, none of my songs are like for this place or for these times. Yeah. And it, that just, that just hit. Isn't it only in the extended edition where uh, Faramir notices that Pe- uh, Pippin is wearing his old clothes from when he was a boy? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember seeing okay. that. Okay, there's a little, there's a cute little scene that shows up where like Faramir and Pippin are interacting, and he's like, "Oh, I recognize those clothes." He's like, "Those are mine from when I was a boy," and so he's like wearing his little like the soldier <laughs> outfit that uh, Pippin has on as Faramir's from when he was a kid. That's cute. Yeah, I love that. yeah, I think that is an extended. Um, at the... I can see why that got cut, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's not necessary, but it's just it's cute little scene. At the weapon take at, at Dunharo, a hooded figure slowly rides on a white horse along the winding road to the encampment in the hills. The figure reveals himself to Aragorn as Elrond. He presents Aragorn with his birthright, the newly reforged sword Narsil, now named Anduril, Flame of the West. This so hype. Oh, dude. I mean, it, absolutely. Where he pulls the sword out and like holds it in front of him. Oh, my God. It's such a hype scene. Yeah. Although the green the green screen I think didn't hear hold up very well, if I remember this scene correctly, the background it looked a little green screened. I couldn't tell. There's I a couple remember. moments. There, there's some moments throughout this whole series where there's like green screen doesn't hold up very well, but I always just kind of forget because they do so such a good job filming on location for most of the movie. Yeah. No, but I agree. It makes when you wonder he... if any of them are like, or like if any of them are just reshoots that they had to do or something like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like the, like the terrible shot in the two towers where Legolas is getting onto the horse. I'm pretty sure it was like a <laughs> green screen, or it was, um, they had to like have him come in and do a reshoot to like show him getting on the horse. But he was like filming, I think Pirates of the Caribbean or something, so he had facial hair, so they couldn't like show his face. So they had to like have him get on the horse weird and like CG it. You won't forget that moment, will you? Never. <laughs> I mean, hey, I didn't notice it, so. I it's, give them that. And much it's only credit. because like I've I've seen the movie so many times. Like when I first watched the movie, I never really cared about that. But it's like the more I watched it, I was like, man, this looks so bad. And then it was like I saw something online talking about that. No. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of interesting that that's like or maybe it was in the special features they talked about it, how they like had to they had to like not show his face when he got on the horse. 
But Dustin, to your point, yeah, when when um, Aragorn gets the sword and holds it up in almost like a He-Man like pose. Oh, yeah, so good, very good. Just one of the many moments in this movie that I get chills when I watch it. Uh, he urges Aragorn to use the sword to recall the dead men of Dunharo and use their allegiance to the heir of Isildur to stop the attack of the Corsair's ships, which are already sailing from the south. Aragorn accepts this counsel and rides off that very night into Dimholt along with Legolas and Gimli. And I'm going to stop here for a second because this moment, I think, is just as hype when everyone is watching uh, Aragorn leave and asking why he's leaving. Um, and I forget yeah. who says it, but he's, they say he's leaving like he's because, leaving he, has because to. he has to. Yep, yep. So good. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's... Uh, I think it is... Theoden that says it that when sounds right he's he's like I the voice either, of reason there yeah and he's basically like he's like yeah and like this is all that we have so far but like and i think it's even aragon that says earlier there's like a scene where they're talking and like Theoden's like oh is this all we could get and uh aragorn is kind of like it'll, it'll be enough like it has to be enough or something like that or or more will come no he says more will come is what he tells him and like it's just really cool that it's hinting to this i do want to go back real quick and i we don't have to talk about this long but sure we like i didn't get to say my favorite part one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is after the beacons get lit and uh aragorn runs in and he says the beacons have been lit gondor calls for aid and then just and rohan will answer gets me so hyped every time i think it's because they pause in between the answer so you don't know what he's gonna say well, and they also build up that whole thing of, like, where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Like, you know, they have this rivalry between them. So the fact that he's, like, and Rohan will answer, like, it's just, uh, it's so good. Yeah, thanks for making I, That's it. what I want to, yeah. uh, that's one thing I want to shout out is, uh, I think his name's, like, Bernard Hall or Hill, the guy who plays Theoden. He, like, all of his scenes in this movie, especially in the extended edition, because there's, like, a whole speech he gives at the beginning that's not in this one but he's just like on an 11 like a scale like he's just he didn't need to go that hard in this movie and he did yeah because he's like stoic but at the same time he feels like warm and inviting especially with 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 his daughter yeah he's very good in this movie all of his speeches are so epic and like everything he says you're just like oh this guy's just selling it so hard like yes i will i will follow you i will do it exactly dude the scene when they ride in and he's like has his soldiers shouting death and he's like yeah hyping them up with the sword and hitting hitting all their spears will be broken it's like ah we'll get to that when we get there yeah yeah yeah. as he is preparing to go a tearful eowyn comes to aragorn and begs him not to go declaring uh, without saying it essentially declaring her love for him but aragorn knowing that uh knowing that arwen has refused the promise of valinor likewise refuses eowyn's love uh, what, what was his quote? I can't give you what you seek before he rides yeah. off in such a badass moment. I like that he at least like is like, listen, like this isn't going to happen. Like he doesn't lead her on anymore. He like hits the point where he's like, this isn't going to happen. I'm sorry. Which is happy for me because I wanted to see him and Liv Tyler get together. Yep. It's happy for that, but it is heartbreaking at the exact same time to me. Oh, yeah. She deserved she deserved better. Yeah, I, I have more to add to all of this when we get there, but it's not we're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, the Morgul forces uh, composed 
mostly of orcs, begin the siege of Minas Tirith by catapulting the heads of captured prisoners over the walls. Insane. Denethor sees his son, Faramir, and believes him to be dead. Uh, He also beholds the might of the forces marshaled against him, and at that, he loses his hope and his mind, ordering the Gondorians to abandon their positions. Gandalf immediately um, says, get back to your places, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, what are you guys doing? Dude, as he's... Um He's epic well, in this. Yeah, and he just like knocks him out with his staff. Yeah, and like, then gets on his horse like, and run for yeah. your lives, flee. And then he just like hits him in the face and he's like, Whack. prepare for battle. So good. Exactly. This entire franchise could be solved if Gandalf could just hit whoever he wanted with his stick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A skirmish between Gondorian uh, trebuchets and Mordor's catapults on Sioux. Ensues until the Witch King and the other ringwraiths on their fell beasts attack, destroying the trebuchets and sowing terror among the defenders. Uh, this is probably like the the pretty much pretty much the start of what will become the final battle right here. Yeah, and like before any of the other troops show up or anything like that, I love the scene where they're like about to break through the door with Grand, the like giant like wolf looking thing. And uh, Gandalf's like, whatever comes through that door, like, be ready. And then, like, it's, like, three giant trolls. And he has this look on his face, like, oh, shit, I was not ready for that. I just realized that I skipped over the scene uh, where Pippin is, like, reflecting on his new life um, as, a, as a servant to Denethor. And he's, like, on the eve of battle, and he says, like, the battle is, is one thing, but it's the like the calm before, like the anticipation is even worse. Yeah. And then later in that in that scene, um, when the you'll have to remind me of the, the city's name that they're climbing in front of. The the undead city over there. When it shoots off that uh, green laser and everyone like looks in fear. Yes, yeah, uh so Minus Morgul. Minus Morgul, thank you. Yeah. And the yeah, like Gandalf is like basically like the final battle is about to begin or whatever. Like, yeah, that's the, like w- the battle. What does he say? Like the battle for Middle Earth or like the? I can't. He says something. He says some line that like sets it up as like this epic battle is about to begin, and it's really cool too because you're like, oh yeah, things are like it's all been building to this. Yeah, that's a striking thing I, I should have mentioned earlier. It's in my notes, so I don't, I don't know why I skipped over it. Away, away in Sirith Ungol, Gollum betrays Frodo to the giant spider creature Shelob, but Sam returns to fight her off. Sam believes Frodo is dead, but when orcs from the Tower of Sirith, well, actually, I think they were Urukai, um, at this at this moment, come and investigate. Sam overhears that Frodo has only been paralyzed, but Shelob's by Shelob's stinger. There's actually a lot here in that- this scene. That part is so epic. Like, Sam, the scene with Frodo and everything where Frodo thinks he's, like, got away and he's, like, going and then you just see, like, the stinger come down and, like, really slowly and just stab him is so cool, too. And, like, it's really scary. Like, they did a good job of, like, setting it up. And the whole time that he's, like, in Shelob's lair, like, Gollum's basically, like, toying with him. And he's, like, I got you where I wanted you kind of attitude, like this was all a trick to get you here. Basically like just, he's basically Mm -hmm. like laying out his whole thing that, you know, like I led you to her, she's going to kill you and I'll get the ring kind of thing. 
this entire part, I was just like, nope, I'm good. I don't need to see the giant spider. Right. Giant spider's terrifying. I'm good. But like, I'm super happy giant, that Sam's being badass. That, but that's good. the thing too. Like, as soon as Sam shows up with and grabs Sting, like, it's just so cool. Like, Sam is such a cool character, and he has Sting, and then the the light of uh, yeah. the star or whatever, and he's like using that. That's really cool. Well, you have that moment with him where he grabs Sting, and then he's like. He's holding to both swords and yelling, and yeah. the Urukai like, "Oh, what's this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, it's just a Hobbit." And then he just kills all of them and yeah, goes uh, on like, runs up. Nothing the tower. is stopping him. Yeah, and I am fully on board with what you guys have been saying the last couple episodes, where Sam is the best part of this. Of Sam is the go. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam, Sam is, is the, the hero of this movie. Absolutely, I agree. There, there are two little moments here that I wanted to bring up. One was just Frodo's resolve. Um, I think I tend to forget, but there's a moment when Frodo like is, is able to escape uh, Shelob, and he is talking to and has like pretty much can kill Gollum, and then essentially like, chooses not to, because I, I think for Frodo he can see that Gollum is just victim as much as Frodo is to the ring. And the way he stops himself, I think, says a lot about Frodo that uh, that I, again, tend to forget. Well, and then this is also the scene where he, like, throws Gollum over the edge, right? Was that he, by like, accident, that, though? That, that yeah, well, like, like Gollum, like, so Gollum, like, goes and, like, jumps on him, and Frodo's, like, trying to get him off, and he, like, flings him up over, and Gollum flies over the edge. Yeah. And is this also the scene, I think, where the orcs or urukai can't quite remember are seeing sam's shadow at the bottom of the stairs and they're kind of that looking... happens later yeah that's okay. what I... okay that, oh that's later okay yeah. that's what i was mentioning yeah that's the scene that comes up in a little bit when uh it's when sam finally finds out where frodo is it's actually that scene's quite a bit later i'm pretty sure it's after most of the big battle is done because that big battle takes up a big portion of the movie right okay I think you okay. I think you are right. Yeah. So these next, th- I have three paragraphs left. They're pretty big. So literally, any moment, just stop me, interrupt me. Okay. In Minas Tirith, Denethor, stricken mad with grief at having spent uh, both his sons, uh, prepares a funeral pyre for himself and the unconscious Faramir. Again, Pippin shouting out that Faramir isn't dead, uh, but Denethor ignores him. Uh, Denethor uh, is unaware that Faramir is not dead and the pyre will burn him alive. Gandalf and Pippin arrive in the hollows and manage to save Faramir. But Denethor is thrown onto the pyre and as he burns to death, he turns and sees his son stirring awake from his injuries and exhaustion. I want to stop there. This was the scene I was talking about earlier. He's He's gone. But dude, he has to run from wherever this pyre was to the edge of this huge like top of the city like that grassy area that's like i don't know quarter mile running in like completely doused in flames why that's so far yeah he just like books it and then jumps off the edge it's really funny though it's like it is funny. i love how i love how like unimportant it is like that, he literally jumps off, and then it just continues sweeping into the battle. Like we're like, yeah, Denethor. Denethor was such an unimportant person that this is like, 
he's dead. Like we're just we're literally transitioning straight from his death to the battle. I think everyone just agrees that he's a piece of shit. And even Gandalf, like yeah. as he before he's even yeah. dead, he's like, oh, there goes that like his rule is over. Yeah. Yeah, but that was one of the things of like I didn't even care about the oh we're just running a quarter mile. It's so yeah, uh, he's dead. There's so that scene happens where he like falls off and dies and like the battle's happening or whatever. But there's a in the extended edition of the movie. I don't I don't remember it being in the theatricals, so forgive me if I'm like mistaken, but mm-hmm. there's an entire scene where like Gandalf and Pippin are on their way to the Witch King or like on their way to like stop him and they're in, like they encounter the Witch King on the his like flying beast and he like there's this really cool part where he's like standing there and he like lifts his the uh Witch King like lifts his sword in the air and it just like catches fire. And it's just like looks so menacing and evil. You're like, oh, this is like the main boss, you know, like bad guy mm-hmm. type of thing. And uh when that happens, uh he basically Gandalf tries to stop him and he destroys Gandalf's staff. So it's like showing like, oh, this guy's like more powerful than Gandalf. Like the staff like explodes in Gandalf's hand, so he doesn't have the staff anymore. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the theatrical version, they like don't have any of that. But all of a sudden, Gandalf's just like missing his staff later. Yeah, I don't remember that in theatrical at all. Yeah, so he like literally like there's his staff is just gone, but they like don't explain it at all. Um, it, like in that scene, like why he has it or doesn't have it. So it's kind of funny that like they just didn't really think that one through of like hey, if we're not going to show his staff get destroyed, maybe we should still have him with it. I guess it worked for us, for me as a layman, because I, I didn't notice until now. Yeah, yeah you I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, and you wouldn't really notice it if you hadn't seen it, but like he, there's a point where he like doesn't have his staff anymore, but then he like, I think he has it again at the very end or something like that. Classic. Like, but like years later when at the very end. Right. It's just, I like that scene so much with the Witch King showing up because he's so menacing. It sounds cool. Yeah. Like even if you like you just watch that scene online, that scene's really cool. Down in the city, the battle goes ill with the Gondorians as the huge battering ram Grand shatters the gates of the city and trolls start to pour in. As the defenders retreat to the upper levels of the city, the orcs crawl through the streets of the lower levels, looting, burning, and massacring the men of Gondor. But suddenly, in the midst of the chaos, a lone horn penetrates the air, and all turn to the west and see the army of Rohan arrive at last to the rising of the sun. So, the reason I brought that scene up, too, is because that's what stops the Witch King, is that he hears the horn. And, like, so he's, like, see, hears the horn and then decides, like, oh, I need to, like, fly over and see what's going on there. This is such a trope, and it happens, I think, in the Two Towers as well. And I don't care. Like it's yep. it's still it's, good. It's still good. It's always good. The the scene with uh the Rohirrim entering and like showing up on the field and like the sweeping like vistas and like the shot of them on the side, it's like literally one of my favorite moments in cinema. Uh would you compare it to um on your left in Endgame? Uh yeah, I would say so. Wow. High it's, praise. It's basically yeah, it's like basically this whole scene where they're like showing up. And then the speech again, like Theoden didn't have to go that hard, but he does. Yeah, like, for, for me, this is like pretty much a like hope because it's, it's right after yeah. like a, an all night battle. The sun is rising yeah. and in that sun rising, 
there's that glimmer of hope with the Rohan army finally arriving. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And like you said, it's a trope. The same thing happens in the two towers where Gandalf shows up at the coming of the first light or whatever. Like, it's just another... And it's also cool because you see it's another shot where they do that where there's, like, the sun and then it's cut off on the black sky that's, like, covering the other bad battlefield where, like, all the orcs are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you hit something so there, on the, there, Christian, where it's, like, we, we talked about how, like, how dark this movie is, but, like, one of the biggest themes of this movie is hope. Yep. And, like, that, that last little bit of hope that is what helps you to persevere through it. And this kind of just felt like the payoff to everything Gandalf and Pippin have been through in this movie. Like, there they are. They did that. Like, that was them. And it wouldn't happen without with, without Gandalf, without Aragorn, and especially not without the uh, the Hobbits. The Rohirrim charge into the orcs with great effect. However, their joy is cut short by the arrival of the forces of Harad and the immense um, Oliphants. Uh, the Mumukai. Mumaki. The Witch King descends on Theoden, killing Snowmane, his horse, and fatally wounding the king. Seemingly in the nick of time, the Corsair ship arrived to help the stand, uh, stranded orcs, but it is Aragorn who jumps off the lead ship, followed by an army of the dead. They completely destroy the orcs and Mumaki, while Eowyn and Merry kill the Witch King. Um, Theoden dies of his wounds, and Aragorn holds the dead army oath fulfilled, releasing them from their curse so that they may rest in peace. There is a lot here um, in this in these moments here. Yeah, about this part. Um, I just wanted to add in that when they show up on the ships in the extended edition, there's a whole scene where they're like at a port. It shows Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn just standing there. And like they see the ships rolling by and like someone on the ship is basically like yelling at them and they're like, hey, like we're about to board you. And they're like, yeah, like you and what army kind of thing. And it's just them. And uh, they tell him to like fire a warning shot uh, to uh, Legolas to fire a warning shot. And as he's like aiming up to shoot the warning shot, Gimli nudges his uh, arm with his axe and makes Legolas miss and shoot one of the dudes right in the neck, <laughs> like kills one of the dudes on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. It's another one of those funny moments between Gimli and Legolas where he just, like, kills them. And then the army of the dead, like, show up and they all, like, sweep the boats. So it's, like, it just adds a little bit to that. But also at the same time in theatrical, it's kind of cool because you don't know that they're going to show up. Yeah, it's another hype moment when watching them pull up. Yeah. And then even this part, too, like, the I am no man line is so good. Yes. Like, God, it's so hype. There's all these, like, super like uber big like nerds from lord of the rings and stuff like that who really like to discredit any time a woman is like represented in a good light and they're like well actually the only reason she was able to stab him is because uh something happened like when uh mary stabs him it like it's with the blade that like is has something on it so it like damages him so he's weak so she's able to kill him it's like no 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 just let the scene be awesome and it like be a strong woman Mary wouldn't even. It was very much say. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, it was very much a thing of like, say the thing, do the thing, be freaking awesome. This is just a moment of pure hype. And that's the thing. It's so cool. Like she, uh, Aowen is such like a underutilized character throughout these movies, Mm -hmm. and like you see her earlier where she just like gets turned down by this man that she's fallen for, and like for her to actually get to battle, which is all she wants. And then get the I am no man and deliver the final blow to like basically the leader of this army. One thing we forgot to mention too is that 
she was essentially crowned the uh, the successor as well yeah, by her father he, earlier. Yep. Uh, her uncle, when when uncle, they're yeah. leaving, Theoden says that, like, basically, if anything happens to me, which is going to, like, I leave Rohan to you. Like, you're in charge. Yep. Which is awesome. But I wanted to even say, like, Mary wouldn't even be there without Eowyn at all. Yeah, exactly. And so this, um, there's a lot in, like, the aftermath of the scene. Because, like, obviously, you know, people are, uh, it was a huge battle. Like, there's bodies laying everywhere and stuff like that and even um with aon and mary like they are kind of just like left on the field and what they don't show in the the theatrical version is it's actually been like it there's a really great scene where uh aemir aon's brother like he's the one who finds her on the field and he just like carl urban does this great like moment where he just like breaks down like seeing his sister and he thinks she's dead because he had no idea she was there and he like runs up and he just like screams and like picks her up and is like holding her thinking that his sister died in this battle i wish this was in the theatrical cut that sounds great yeah and then it like it shows that like uh pippin has been looking for mary because like he finds out that mary was there too for a few days like he finds him like on the field or whatever later and it's just like there's a lot of cool little moments like that yeah, um, I th- it's almost a little rushed, I think, in the theatrical. Like, once it's over, it kind of yeah. quickly shifts. Well, this is where they introduce another thing. I'll just add it in here because I think it's kind of important. But we talked about how Eowyn, like, she doesn't get her love story or whatever. But there's an entire cut section where uh, Faramir is basically, like, while she's recovering, he's there every day with her. Like, or, no, sorry, um... Aragorn is there, like, with her, like, taking care of her, but as she wakes up, she, like, sees Faramir because he's also in there, and it starts to slowly build this relationship between them, because at the end of this movie, it shows them together. Even mm-hmm. not in the extended edition, it shows them standing together, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, they're just there together, but no, they, like, actually fall in love. Which makes sense, too, they, the, two, yeah. uh, the two cities forming another relationship. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, so in the extended edition, they just kind of build that relationship. That's really, I think, all I had for that part. I'll, I'll let you guys say whatever, however you guys felt on those that part of the movie. I love that part of the movie, but those are just, like, the small things that are added into the that scene. I know Griffin uh, loved the Legolas and Oliphant scene. Yeah. So good. Still Dude, only counts fight, as one. <laughs> the fight choreography just in general in this movie yeah. is almost, I'm going to say almost always amazing. Yeah. It's, because there's really um good. there's a moment with Gandalf fighting later here where it's like he, it just looks like he's erratically swinging his arms. <laughs> kind of. What's cool though is in the games that are based on these movies, they kind of have him fight like that. Dude, the games are so good. Yeah, they like kind of have him like um, swing his staff and sword at the same time, and it like looks kind of erratic. I know that's how he fights in the Lego game. Yeah. Um, but I always thought that was just a Lego joke. No, I think it's just like his fighting style. Is there a Lego Lord of the Rings yeah, series that I know about? Yeah. Yeah. It's all one game, Lego Lord of the Rings, and it's got all three and of Lego the movies. And Lego Hobbit, you said? Yeah, Lego Hobbit only has the first two movies, though, which was weird. What did it come out before the last one? Yeah, and it's really weird that they didn't add the last one in any way. Fair enough. Yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, I guess you just play these first two. Yeah, Lego Lord of the Rings is cool. My fiance is not a big gamer, but she's beaten Lego Lord of the Rings. 
because they're so yeah, fun. The they're Rings. so yeah. fun. Those Lego games. Yeah. Shout out to the Lego games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Shout out. Sam rescues Frodo from Sirith Ungol, which is mostly empty, following a fight between the two factions of the Towers Orc Garrison over Frodo's valuable Mithril shirt. They begin. And this is the moment I think we were talking about here. They begin the long trek across Mordor to Mount Doom. Gandalf realizes that 10,000 orcs stand between Sirith Ungol and Mount Doom, which will prevent Frodo from reaching his destination. Aragorn proposes they lead the remaining soldiers to the Black Gate to draw the orcs away from Frodo's path, as well as distract the eye of Sauron. Sam carries Frodo up to Mount Doom, but Gollum arrives and attacks them just as the Battle of the Moranon begins. At the crack of dawn, Frodo, instead of dropping the ring into the fire, succumbs to its power and puts it on disappearing from sight the act alerts sauron which sends the ring wraiths racing towards mount doom Gollum renders sam unconscious then attacks frodo seizing his ring finger and biting it off as Gollum rejoices at finally having reclaimed his precious frodo still under the sway of the ring's attraction charges at Gollum. after a brief, str- brief struggle they both fall over the edge of the precipice Gollum falls into the fire with the ring while frodo barely hangs on with his strength failing Sam rescues Frodo as the ring finally sinks into the lava and is destroyed. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Yeah. Um, there's a few, there's a, like you guys were talking about extended scenes earlier and where they mainly add them. And if they were in the battles, there's like a good, like three or so that happen here that are kind of important. And one of them is like, I don't really find this one as important, but when Aragorn decides that they're going to go distract the armies, he goes and picks up the plantier and basically is like, straight up just tells like Sauron, he's like, I'm coming for you and I'm bringing this, the sword that like cut off like your, the ring originally to like essentially distract Sauron even more to like, no, like, okay, like we need to be paying attention to the wall because the army's coming to fight us. Hey, that's kind of badass. Yeah. So he basically... <laughs> Uh, Aragorn essentially like flexes on him, <laughs> which is kind of cool. And then they, when they get there, there's an entirely different scene. Like in the theatrical version, they go up to the wall and they're like, uh, basically like bring forth like the person, like so- someone for me to talk to. And then like the doors open and the army just comes out and they're like, all right, retreat. Like we're going to go back and like form the lines. But there's an entire scene where this creepy looking dude comes out. It's called the mouth of, uh, the mouth of Mordor or mouth of Sauron. And it's, like, this dude who basically looks like a Guillermo del Toro designed character. Ooh. Where he has, like, this gnarly helmet on so you can't see the top half of his head. And all you can see is his mouth. And he has this huge mouth with, like, these really sharp teeth. And he's basically, like, he basically tells them, like, they're going to fail and that they already killed the hobbits and, like, shows them the mithril shirt. Because, like, they had the mithril shirt. And he's, like, the hobbits are dead. Like, this is pointless. And Aragorn, like, like slowly starts to walk away and then pulls a sword out and just cuts his head off and then he's like all right fall back like it's just so dope like it's one of the scenes in the movie that i kind of feel like i wish was in the theatrical because it's really cool but i feel like a lot of people wish the whole like a lot of these scenes were in the theatrical yeah 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 like there's a few scenes for me like this scene and then the scene with saruman at the beginning are the two really big scenes that i feel like yeah, every extended edition scene you've told us about for this one's like, man, I would love to see that in this. Yeah, and like this one is just cool because it's like they're essentially like Mordor is trying to like trick them into thinking that Frodo's already dead when 
they didn't all literally all they got from Frodo was the mithril shirt. I also read it, but I I kind of glazed over it and we you know I moved on with the plot, but that scene where where Sam picks up Frodo. Oh my god. Yes. That's where the tears start to well up for me. Like that I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And like he just lifts him up and throws him over his shoulder. That scene, and then uh, Aragorn saying for Frodo, and then just running forward. Like they're so good. This this was like a, a touchstone for people on Twitter when Stranger Things is coming out because they were talking about uh, Sean Austin. Is that the actor's name? If I remember yeah, correctly, yeah, yeah, Sean Austin. Yeah, they were talking about him on Strange about Stranger Things, calling his character like weak or whatever. And uh, the whole Twitter discourse was like, Samwise Gamgee did not carry Frodo up the mountain of yeah, Mount Doom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one too. Yeah. <laughs> to be called weak by you or exactly. whatever. Exactly. So good. Like, everything that Sam does in these movies is just, it's so epic. And like, that whole scene too, it's so depressing where he's like, talking about how... Oh, yeah. He, where he's sitting there talking to Frodo and like, you think that they're basically going to die and he's like talking to him and he's like do you remember the shire frodo or the taste Mm -hmm. of strawberries and he's like i don't remember what food tastes like i don't remember the sound of the river and it's like oh man frodo is so just like this ring has him he's on the edge like he's either gonna die or he's gonna turn very soon and sam yeah yeah hail marries it up the mountain absolutely and i think i think it's after the ring gets destroyed where they have the scene where he's like yeah because they're sitting there basically (laughs) thinking they're gonna die and Again. he's like, yeah, he's Again. like, I would have married. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I would have married Rosie, like, if I could have. And it's just like, it's so sweet because all Sam wants is to have a family. Like, yeah, he just wants to go home. I love that Sam is Sam is like the emotional support backbone of this movie. Yeah, and I love that this this incredible moment for him is literally just pulling the ultimate support move. Yeah, of <laughs> I'm just going to help you. It's such a it's such a good line of just for helping anyone through anything of I can't do this for you, but I can be there for you yeah. and help you get through it. Yeah, and like the I think it was really important for this movie to have Frodo be the one that pushes Gollum into the lava. Yeah. Like I think it was really important for him to be the one to actually destroy the ring because that's been his whole thing. And like Frodo's character arc is like he starts out as like this really innocent kid who's like, you know, he's he's a good kid. He doesn't have any like he's never done anything wrong. He's not a bad person in any way, but the ring is just poisoning him and like making him weak and seem weak and like he just his mind is so corrupt that I think it's nice that he's the one that pushes Gollum into the lava. Absolutely. Although I wish I wish it would still wish it would have happened a bit more like directly of Frodo actually releasing the ring in some kind of way or letting Gollum go. I do. I I agree, but I also love that scene where he's like, no. And he's like, the ring is mine, Sam. And then, like, he puts it on and, like, the music starts playing and the eye, like, turns to see him and the monster... We didn't even mention that the eagles show up now because... And the biggest argument with Lord of the Rings is why didn't the eagles just show up to begin with and fly them there? And it's... And they couldn't, and that's the thing, is they would either have, one, been destroyed because they would have seen them coming a mile away, or two, they're a a race that could have been corrupted by the ring as well, too. So, this is basically the reason they show up now, is because the battle, like, Mordor's so distracted. 
the eagles like have their end to come help yeah now that the ring is finally destroyed now they're able to to go yeah and even before the ring's destroyed it's just that like now that the army of man is like distracting them the eagles are like free to come in and not have to worry about being oh destroyed. yeah so you, we, yeah. Per- we pretty much covered some of the the closing stuff that i had here in the finishing of this scene so we'll move on to our final paragraph in Minas Tirith, aragorn is crowned king of the west heralding the new age of peace and marries arwen Here's when everybody kneels down in homage to the little hobbits, which is such a great moment to see all four of them standing. God. Yeah. Uh, the my friends, you never well, you you bow you to no one. no one. Yeah. Oh my god. That dude, I choke up. I choke up every time. It's like, how can you not choke up when that scene? Like, it's such a powerful shot seeing everybody bow to these four hobbits that were just like these peaceful race that literally does nothing but stay at their and their town, and our farmers, and an entire kingdom is bowing to them. I so think good. This that scene, I think specifically, is more powerful. Going back to our Star Wars versus um, Lord of the Rings debate, is more powerful than the ending of Return of the Jedi when everyone is like clapping at the end of the ceremony. Yep, I agree. Just because this, I think, has a bit more emotional depth through through yep. the Hobbits. Yep. Definitely fair. The Hobbits return to the Shire where Sam marries Rosie Cotton. Frodo, having finished writing his entry in the Red Book of Westmarch, is still suffering from the effects of the wounds he received from the Ringwraiths at Weathertop and from the Shelob. Realizing that he will never have peace in Middle-earth, he decides to go with Gandalf, Bilbo, Elrond, and Galadriel to the Grey Havens and sail to Valinor, the Undying Lands. Before embarking at the Havens, Frodo passes the Red Book to Sam to record the years of his life to come. Then the last ship to leave Middle-earth sets off, pulling slowly away from the shore and passing along the straight road into the uttermost west. Pippin and Merry take their leave, and Sam is left staring into the golden sunset. In the last scene of the film, Sam walks back up the lane to Bag End, where he is greeted by his wife Rosie and his children. Surrounded by his family and with the rest of his life ahead of him, Sam sighs and says, Well, I'm back. He goes inside and shuts the door as the screen fades to black end of film uh so good i love everything that happens in the end of this and i um i just get so teared up at the the scene where frodo like says that he's leaving as well too because none of the other hobbits knew that he was gonna go yeah like they were just going to wish everybody else off and like just seeing all those characters break down and i feel like i don't know if they filmed this scene last but it feels like it's just like it feels more real like they're like everybody's saying goodbye in this movie not knowing that there anyone's ever going to come back to do any other movies with like the hobbit but um it's just such a powerful scene and like you get to see sam like he's losing his best friend and like Mm -hmm. but he also understands that frodo went through yeah yeah but it's like the the scene where it shows them sitting in the bar um, and they're all just kind of like looking around like, man, this all feels so insignificant compared to what we just did. Like, how do you go back to that? Saint- or Frodo even says it like, yeah, they have Frodo has that line. Like, this is the moment where I was like gone. I was a goner to emotions where he's like, yeah, how do you pick up the threads <laughs> of an old life? Yeah, it's like, how do you go back to just the mundane, boring life after everything you just went through? That's and me. it's like. Like Sam, you know, he finds love, and I absolutely love the scene where he takes one last sip of beer before going to talk to Rosie. He like has to get that little bit of courage. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. 
because it's like that's so true like anybody that's ever dated or like tried to go talk to it like somebody that you're interested in you're like okay like i need a little bit more courage liquid like, courage yeah frodo it's... is frodo is me every time i go back to california like yeah i can't stay here <laughs> i gotta i gotta go come back <laughs> and i also um, i didn't know that the film uh the last words spoken of the film or the beginning or is the opening of the book as well well i'm back i didn't realize that until i had looked it up today oh i didn't know that either and i was like that well that's kind yeah, of that's quaint i guess yeah we didn't talk about any real trivia on this one no because it, it was a longer it. i knew it was gonna be a longer episode so yeah yeah um and the I film don't really have any, like, <laughs> so yeah good. i don't really have any like trivia things for this one either it's not as like there's not as many things that I think of. Um, I think it was like filmed back to back with Two Towers, though. I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they were they were all filmed at like one time. Insane, insanity. Yeah, that's why they were able to come out one year apart from each other. So I I absolutely love the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have those same complaints that people do, where it's like, oh, the ending. There's like ten different endings. Just choose one spot to end. I think everything like there is an ending to the movie, and I think that ending to the movie is like them destroying the ring and getting back to um uh why can i rivendale and like everybody reuniting but the rest of it is just the epilogue and i think it's all like necessary because this is the end of the story you like yeah you want to know what's going to happen to these characters it starts in the shower it's got to end there exactly and that's what i was going to point out sorry that's what i was trying to think of is the book when they go back to uh when they get back to the Shire and Hobbiton, Saruman had, like, he doesn't die at the beginning like he does at the beginning of the extended edition. Saruman had taken over, and the Hobbits have to fight to get Wen back the Shire. Interesting. Yeah, there's, like, a whole scene that happens there where they, like, they cut that out of the movie just to, like, kind of streamline the ending a little bit. And I, I think it works in the movie, not having that. Yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, there's like a whole part that is cut out of that story. I have two final questions for you both. Griffin, this first one's for yes. you. What are your thoughts coming out of your first watch of the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I definitely ran the, I definitely, like I said earlier, ran the gamut of emotions with this of I'm, I'm super happy. I finally watched these films. Um, if for no other reason that people will just stop harassing <laughs> me into watching these. That's fair. <laughs> that said, I understand why now. Like these are amazing movies that easily have earned their place within the annals of pop culture. Yeah. And yeah, that's all that's really it. They're they're great, they're wonderful, and I love them. Do you think you'll watch them again? I want to watch the extended cuts. I think I'll watch those through at least once. After that, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's a it's, just, it's, it's such a time commitment. <laughs> then that is honestly just such a deterrent for me. I can barely make it through a minute long TikTok, oh, I, nonetheless. Dude, same <laughs> half hour movie. No, I I 100 get it because for me, like these movies are um, they're comfort food for me. So for me, it's like if I'm feeling down or like in a bad mood or just need some sort of pick me up, I put them on. Now for me, I for me I need the space in between watches because I, I like to give them like the respect and yeah. my, the time that they deserve. So I try to be as immersed it, as I can. I, it's funny because I one hundred percent agree with you, but 
I want to say in the past, not even full two years, I've watched through this trilogy four times. I understand and, pandemic times. We get it. We, we need it. Uh, well, <laughs> well, so right before pandemic happened, they were showing all the extended editions in theaters. So oh, I went yeah. and saw them all. And then when pandemic started, we were stuck at home all the time doing nothing. And we're like, well, let's just watch all the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, we'll just marathon those. And then uh, they came out in 4K. So I wanted to watch them. And then you asked me about doing this this podcast. So now I'm watching them again. (laughs) Or I just watched them again. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this leads into, I guess, to my last question is, Dustin, we know this means a lot. This franchise means a lot to you. Um, What was it like? watching these through the pandemic and, and and i guess just more than that like podcasting about them how has that influenced the way you feel about these movies uh yes and no so i already love these movies so much like if you've listened to any of the other episodes i've already mentioned it but my fiance and i get married next month and our wedding isn't lord of the rings themed it's inspired because lord of the rings mean a lot to both of us um and i think just getting to like getting to talk especially to somebody like griffin who's never seen these before it really like and hearing how he did really enjoy these movies it like does kind of it makes me feel better like not better but like it's a little bit of like justification for how much i like like rant about these movies and how much i love them because it's my favorite trilogy of films of all time like i like i said i love star wars i anytime i talk crap about star wars i'm joking um the Last Jedi is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I still just like this trilogy is so perfect to me and holds such a special place in my heart. And it was, I think, the nicest thing about this was I hadn't seen the theatrical versions in a really long time, and it was kind of nice to get to watch them and watch the more streamlined version because, as much as I love the extended editions, it is a commitment to watch those. Absolutely. So I absolutely loved getting to do this. <laughs> well, good. I enjoyed talking to both of you. So thank you both for embarking on this journey with me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this. We're running a little bit over, but that's okay. I wanted to um, mention some letterbox reviews as we usually do with our other episodes. Cause these were actually really good. Ellie writes all the epilogue and they still couldn't find time for Sam slash Frodo and Aragorn slash Legolas for a double wedding. And I agree. Although I would change it to say Legolas and Gimli would be the, uh, the better option here wedding but yeah i agree iana gives it four starts and writes i can't talk right now i'm doing hot girl shit and the hot girl shit is a hyperlink to a gif of um eowyn saying i am no man absolutely yeah that's amazing that's, that's great <laughs> that is so good emma's review writes the boys with an asterisk note a footnote which uh, refers to the writers of rohan are back in town with another footnote saying, coming to Gondor's aid. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's another good one. And also, it's funny, too, because it has a double meaning because Carl Urban is in the boys on Oh, on hey! Amazon Prime. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. It all comes together. <laughs> Liam with the 4.5, probably the, the most brutally honest review I've found. If there's one thing that Frodo's actually really good at, it's getting stabbed. Dude gets stabbed every movie. Yep, he does. Seriously. Does he get stabbed in the second one? Actually, well, that was me saying that. I don't. I don't know if he does. Oh, that. oh, okay. But if... I know he gets stabbed twice in the first movie, so it makes up for it. Yeah. <laughs> and then my last note here is that um, there's so many other reviewers on Letterboxd with 
the line, come on, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Like, I oh, that's one last line that I wanted to bring up in this movie that's perfect is uh, Gandalf's line that he gives to um, um, Pippin when they think that they're going to, like, they think they might die or whatever right before all the other soldiers show up. And he's like, he's like, well, this is the end. And then Gandalf's oh. like, the end? No, this isn't the end. Death is just a stepping off point. Like, it's just so good and he like explains to him what death is and he's like the the gray curtains roll back and then you see it like the white shores and like it's just so beautiful like he just he does such a good job of like conveying that like yeah that moment to pippin to like comfort pippin and like that moment of despair i almost forgot about that moment too that was a really that was a nice moment there's a lot in this movie so it's easy to forget (laughs) (laughs) in a hundred or 200 minute long movie yeah exactly there's a lot folks we hope you enjoyed today's episode remember to give us a sub to stay up to date with all our cinema thoughts here on large popcorn in the meantime dustin we'll start with you where can people find you uh people can find me over at podkit monsters as well too on youtube uh i would greatly appreciate it jeff and i do a pokemon podcast we just recorded our impressions of pokemon snap you can hear us talk about that um we were roughly about eight hours in when we did it so there's no spoilers or anything like that we're just talking about different mechanics and how we feel about the game um and then also i'll shout out my twitch channel it's uh d danger 10 uh streaming through resident evil probably will stream resident evil village as well so come hang out there i'm super close to hitting affiliate so that's basically what i'm trying to do right oh let's make that push baby come on yeah we gotta we gotta yeah we gotta do it i'm so close have you posted on Sub Sunday yet today? I did, but I posted about Podcast Monsters. Oh, that's right. Our yes. Last, our last few episodes, unfortunately, have not really gotten the views. Speaking of, we have an episode. Our episode we did last week was recasting The Lord of the Rings with Pokemon. Holy shit. That's awesome. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really fun. Jeff and I, I had a blast it. on that one. Griffin, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GriffyDpad. Um, you can also find me on my Twitch channel that Griffy D Pad. Um, the thing I need the to get best, better the best notifications when you go live. Oh, had some so yes, dude. Good ones lately. They're so good. I bet you haven't <gasps> drinking water today, have you? <laughs> Was I right? Was I right, Christian? No, I drink water all the time. So, oh damn it, not for me. Okay, <laughs> it does make me think about it though. Every time I see it, I'm like, have I drink water today? <laughs> I love that. Not yet. Um, they're. Check me out there. That's all my game dev stuff, all my stuff that I do. But also check out Disney Plus Us, um, the Disney Plus podcast at Run, where each week we take a look at stuff on Disney Plus. Although every other week now, because I'm cutting back. Responsibility. I'm, t- I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Alrighty, folks. That's going to do it for us today. Until next time, we hope you enjoyed the show. And Denis, we trust. <laughs>